All right. Well, hello and happy time zones for those listening, no matter where you may be. Welcome to the Summit Ahead, a podcast for future graduate students brought to you by the West Virginia University Office of Graduate Admissions. I am your host, Aaron Fields, and I invite you to join me over the course of the show season as I chat with higher education professionals at West Virginia University who will be giving their best tips, tricks, and insights on topics important to consider when applying for graduate school. So on today's episode, I am bringing on Dr. Jessica Queener, the Assistant Provost for Graduate Education Policy here at West Virginia University, who will be chatting about a few different options to fund your graduate education. This recording is going to be a 15 out of 10 episode with tons of valuable information for you to learn about and consider when going through the application process. So yo, and welcome to the show, Dr. Queener. So happy to have you on chatting with me about graduate education. So how about we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself. So anything like your position at the university, your interests, your career. Uh, Previously, you were the director of graduate studies in the Eberly College of Arts and Sciences here at WVU. So you have multiple years of experience working at the graduate level, right? I do. And thank you so much for having me, Erin. It's just a thrill to be here. Um, Yes, that's right. Right now I'm working in a relatively new position to me in the provost's office. Um, But before that, I did hold a similar position in what's our largest college with the most graduate programs. Oh, for sure. For sure. That was great because it really helped me work with a wide variety of, you know, programs. We have humanities and STEM, and it's uh, even more beyond the scope of Everly. There's just so much variety in our graduate programs here. So this is an opportunity um, to keep doing work that I was doing to support graduate programs, but on a bigger scale. And I'm just excited because it's a chance to be a resource for people to help our our programs and our students. So it's um, a very lucky opportunity, I guess. And um, in Eberly, I've actually been there most of my time here at WVU. I've been in the dean's office for quite some time um, for graduate studies. And before that, I also did some undergraduate advising. And even before that, I was uh, working on my doctorate in English, which meant teaching courses in writing and literature and culture and all sorts of things. So I'm really proud to still be working at this university. Yeah, that's super exciting. And you're right, Eberly does have a ton of graduate programs from things like biology to anything from English and creative writing. There's a lot to offer in that college. So I'm sure overseeing a lot of that, you kind of felt like pulled in some like different directions as far as the what you were over. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's such an absolute thrill. One of the nice things about being in graduate school or working in higher education is the variety of people you get to work with. It's a real treat to get to interact with people who are experts in their field and in any way. And so, you know, something like a College of Arts and Sciences is a great place to be for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So in your current job now, you oversee some of the stuff like fellowship and and scholarship opportunities for graduate students. And I know without a doubt that one of the biggest things that students factor in when going to graduate school is definitely the cost. It's one of the first things that they look at. How much is this going to cost? Um, I get questions all the time about tuition prices. So graduate school, like I said, is a big investment, not only mentally and emotionally, but also financially as well. So how are some ways that students are able to receive funding to pursue their graduate degree? Yeah, I love what you said about thinking about it as an investment. I definitely think that's the place to start and that's the mindset to have. It's really important to know that the type of funding opportunity or what is available is 
really, really specific to what you want to go into. And so the biggest thing you want to start with is um, while you're thinking about price and you know, cost of living in the area of the schools that you're looking at, you really want to learn what is normal for the field you're interested in. So with some professional programs, it's more typical for students to be funding themselves with loans. Um, and some graduate programs are that way too. It uh, really just depends, again, on what is typical for that field. So a Master of Social Work, for example, there's a direct alignment between earning that degree and then the job opportunities that come after that. And that's true for lots of different things. So it's partly just talking to as many people as you can and learning as much as you can about your specific area of interest. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start. And I think there's a lot that's available beyond what you find at the undergraduate level. That's the biggest difference, I think, when you start making the transition from being an undergrad and looking at more advanced study or maybe returning to go for more education after a period of being out of college. So, you know, for undergrads, typically you're looking at loans and scholarships, but there are some other things that open up at the graduate level. And fellowships is one example of that. Graduate assistantships is probably the most widespread and the most common thing people are looking for with specific programs. And that's all stuff you're going to want to research when it comes to thinking about cost. Right. I did a graduate assistantship in our office before I was actually hired full time. Oh, and yeah, that. so I kind of transitioned yeah. right from that to this. And to this day, I think it was it was such a great experience for me because, like you said, not only was it a great opportunity for me to be able to help kind of offset a little bit of the cost of my graduate degree, but it was also just a great opportunity to be able to get professional development experience, especially with what I was wanting to do. My degree was in marketing. And so here at the office, I would help with social media, different kinds of things. So doing a graduate assistantship was really beneficial to me. Um, can you go into detail about what the process is like to apply for a graduate assistantship? Is that an easy process? Is it something that's kind of a little bit more on the confusing side, potentially? Is there anything confusing about that process? <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think a lot of things can be confusing the first time you look at it. Yeah. And it can be, you can get that feeling of overwhelm. And it's important to just kind of break it down into its smaller parts. So if you find out that your field or the programs you're looking at offer assistantships and you know that's a possibility, the next thing to do is you know, research what's available, um, maybe on a program website or by contacting certain people. So you know, that information is almost always gonna be posted in things like the graduate catalog or on a specific department or college website. Very often they're gonna point you to a specific point of contact Many graduate programs have someone serving in a role, and it can go by different titles like graduate director or coordinator of graduate training, things like that, where if you send someone an email or get in touch with someone, they can provide you more information on the program. And I would say what can make that process a lot less overwhelming is just doing as much research and and. Um, outreach as you can, because that tends to be something you can break down into really specific steps and not feel like it's such a huge task. So another thing you can do in those situations is, you know, ask to be put in touch with current students in the program. And they're going to have 
information that's going to really connect with you as a first time graduate student because they're much closer to that experience themselves. Um, a department usually has some grad students that can say, hey, we have a prospective student who wants to speak to someone. Can you can we share your email address? And I know when I was a graduate teaching assistant, I was always happy to give a little information about that. Um, you just want to really reach out to as many different sources as you can. In terms of the actual process of applying for one, it is gonna be, again, just different program to program. Sometimes a program will automatically consider everybody for certain positions. Sometimes you're gonna be asked to include certain materials in your graduate application. So you might need to write a statement about any experience you have relevant to teaching or working in labs. You might be asked to reach out to find potential research mentors ahead of time. So getting really familiar with the guidelines and knowing a lot about what's expected of you in your application is going to help with that. Yeah, for sure. Do you think when, because a lot of times sometimes, well, sometimes I'll get questions about, you know, I applied for this one graduate assistantship. Is it okay if I apply to multiple ones, especially if it's more research focused? Like can someone apply for one that's more or be considered for a research one at the same time apply for a more service one or a teaching one? Yeah, I think if you're a program who where if you're interested in a program where the norm is to be funded through the department, then you really want to work with them and get information directly from that program about what their expectations are. If you're a program that allows looking at a program that allows students to hold graduate assistantships and they maybe offer a limited number you know, that's more likely to be a situation where you can continue to look through other sources. For us, a big resource is the career services, job database, um, any assistantships that aren't really tied to a program funding its students, uh, that's a great place to look for those. So, you know, again, reach out, don't be afraid to ask those questions, they're good questions, and just find out what is typical for students who go into those programs. Yeah, right. So when should someone start to look for these types of funding options for graduate school? Do graduate students still need to fill out the FAFSA or is that something more along the undergrad side? Well, I mean, I think I think that's a great question. And I think you have to be really clear about what your own finances are and you have to kind of set your expectations and let that guide you through what you want to do. Some graduate students uh, go into fully funded programs. Some go into programs where the expectation is you pay out of pocket. Um, there's never any harm in filing FAFSA and keeping that option mm -hmm. open. Another thing to know is a graduate assistantship is typically, typically going to come with a waiver of tuition and a stipend, but the waiver of tuition and the stipend um, well, that represents a that represents a big investment in you, but there are things that you're going to be expected to pay program materials. Uh, sometimes there can be a higher like a cost for things associated with working in a lab or, um, you know, you're going to need to pay university fees. Every place, every university is going to have some kind of thing that you still need to pay. And a stipend is not necessarily going to offset every single living expense that you have. So you need to kind of get familiar with your finances and learn about the FAFSA process and, and make your determination from there. Is that something I need to do? Um, now, you said when 
should I be looking for assistantships? And I would say the minute you start considering graduate school, <laughs> you know, it could be different place to place. Like some place might have a master's in a certain program and it's not normal for students in that program to have assistantships. And that's not necessarily bad. You just have to figure out if that works for you is the return on that, what you're looking for. Um, but you know, you want to look at funding opportunities as you start to research the programs you want to apply to. Right. I think there's some kind of weird stipulation whenever I talk to students about them thinking that a graduate assistantship is similar to a full ride. And so whenever, to preface, a graduate assistantship will generally cover university tuition and not college or, you know, you know, college tuition. And so, like I said, a lot of students get surprised whenever they find out that they have to pay the other half of that. Yeah, it is. It is not education that is free. And, you know, stipends can be limited. And again, we just we just see a lot of variation. You know, um, what one program can uh, budget to pay for a certain level of instruction is going to be different than someone who might be working on, you know, a, more advanced teaching or, you know, there's differences between what you can get as a stipend as a master's versus a doctoral student. And I do believe programs try very hard to make sure that they are, when they're programs that fund their students, that they're doing a good job of that. But it's a stipend that offsets expenses more than it will in every circumstance completely cover your living expenses. Mm -hmm. I think in some cases it, it can, but, you know, as we know, the world changes day to day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's really good to research the cost of living uh, in the areas of the schools oh, yeah. that you're looking mm -hmm. and factor that in, look at the stipends. If you see a wild disconnect between those things, then maybe you need to consider that. Um, and I would say too, people do combine assistantships with um, taking out some loans. Uh, again, you just have to kind of really make sure you go into the process of your research with a clear picture of your own financial situation and what you're hoping to get. For sure. And that's why I always stress when I'm talking to students is to budget yourself out and really plan a budget because it's very easy once you're out on your own and you, you start getting that annual stipend or, or something. It's very easy to kind of just be like, okay, like, yeah, here we go. Getting the, getting a paycheck. Yeah, Ooh. it is. And I think another thing too, is to look at, you know, does the program have an expectation of summer work or summer enrollment? Mm -hmm. um, some programs fund 12 months, some programs might fund nine. Um, you know, myself, I was in a nine month program and I really relied on that summer break to, you know, earn money in some different ways, um, which you know, just happened to, to work out well in my situation, but th these things can really work out differently individual to individual. And you kind of, it is that moment, I think, where you have to really take charge of your finances and budget. And it's, Lord knows it's not everyone's favorite activity, <laughs> but it's, your advice is right. You need to, you need to budget, you need to plan ahead and take all those things into consideration. <laughs> The fun part of adulting. It is adulting. <laughs> yeah. That's an expert opinion that it's adulting. <laughs> so without a doubt, the, the two ways that we've gone over is that students can receive funding is through those graduate assistantships and fellowships. So what are the differences between the two? Sure. Um, so 
at WVU, we do have a group of fellowships that programs can nominate incoming students for. And so it's a little different than maybe like scholarships where more often than not, the student is going to be in charge of putting in the application and getting letters. A fellowship is often something where, at least here, where the program is looking to find ways to invest in their really competitive applicants. We know that they're likely to get offers from other schools, or sometimes we are able to get grants to fund students in particular areas. For example, we have a STEM fellowship that is supposed to increase doctoral students in that area with an eye toward making space for women and people who have been you know, historically excluded from the academy. So there's a wide range of fellowships that are kind of used to recruit incoming students or to help fund students in specific areas. They are different from an assistantship in that there's no expectation of work in return. You know, an assistantship, you get a stipend in exchange for some kind of activity, usually teaching, research, or service. For a fellowship, the idea is to invest in this student so that they have time to work on their scholarship. Whatever form of research or scholarship they're doing, that's their primary activity. They have funding that is comparable to what they could get from an assistantship. Um, we also sometimes cover more. Some of our fellowships do cover college tuition, university fees, student health insurance. Um, they vary nine months to 12 months, just like assistantships do. But the idea, again, is to free up your time so that you're really focused on your academics during that period. So um, they're a great opportunity. They are highly competitive. We do ask programs to nominate students, but there's no reason someone couldn't reach out to the program and say, do you think I will qualify for one of these? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were talking a few months ago about fellowships. I remember there was this one that was pretty out there. It was something to do with farming or dairy or... <laughs> oh, I think I gave you that example. So that's something that happens here too, that it's very good to keep in mind that when you're looking at graduate programs, like if you're looking at WVU, the funding is not limited to what we have. There are other fellowships out there. And I think this was the, like, a poultry society. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of funny because it's chickens <laughs> to me. But truly, like, we do need research in that area that is a big part of agriculture in the United mm -hmm. States. So often our office, the Office of Graduate Education and Life, will partner with a college if one of their students gets an outside fellowship. So if they have that funding, then we'll make sure they also get student health insurance if they need that and cover some fees um, as kind of a reward for receiving something nationally competitive. We're going to share in the cost of that time. Yeah. That's so neat that there's even such specific areas that you can get those fellowship positions in. Indeed. It's very a niche subject of poultry. I, I, I guess so. I don't know enough to know how <laughs> widespread that area of research is, I'm sad to say, but I know the Davis College here has some amazing research going on in agriculture and related topics. So um, we're very we're very proud of our students when they get nationally competitive opportunities. Oh, That's yeah, great. for sure, for sure. So you're talking about how you are more than not nominated for fellowships, and you said how it definitely doesn't hurt to reach out to say that you are interested in those fellowships? I think in any case, it's, it's good to stay in touch with the program throughout the admissions process when you have 
information that's really important. So it could be because you wonder, you know, is that something you'd be competitive for? Um, it could be, you know, you want to know what they're looking for in a competitive applicant for an assistantship um, or just admission to the program. It's very fair to ask those sorts of questions. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So to close up our official academic conversation, (laughs) uh, what advice would you give to a student who is looking to consider graduate school, but maybe is concerned about being able to afford it? Well, I guess I would say, you know, as someone who feels really strongly about the importance of graduate education, there is a deep need for people to study to conduct research, to conduct scholarship, to receive professional training in a wide variety of areas. You know, I really believe that is something that we need and that the folks who can do that kind of work really help, you know, advance us as a a good and just place to be. So if you're someone who feels strongly about investing in graduate training and there is an area that you are very skilled in, very interested in, that you want to pursue, know that there are people who want to invest in you undertaking that activity. And don't get overwhelmed by the process, but start early and do your research. I think I might have said that 15 times already, but I mean it. It's really important to learn how to advocate for yourself, but know that that also means talking to as many folks as you can. Do you know someone who knows someone who went to grad school? Do you have friends who are in grad school? Do you have parents who received advanced degrees? Do they know people with advanced degrees? If you are at an undergraduate institution, do you have a career services office? What do your academic advisors say? What does this professor who taught the class you really enjoyed say? Do you have TAs or you know, other graduate students that you can talk to in your program now? Um, for me, I went to an undergrad so small we had no graduate programs. And so it really came down to speaking to my professors, but also, you know, I had a summer job where some people were in graduate programs and I talked to them about their experience. It's a big fact finding mission to start. Mm. And that's something you can feel confident about. Yeah. So everybody, if you leave listening to this episode with one takeaway, it is to start early and do your research, as Dr. Queener said. Yes, (laughs) Erin. That's exactly it. (laughs) So now that we've got the big questions out of the way, I'm going to end our episode with a few speed round questions to put you on your toes. So are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. All right. So how do you drink your coffee? I drink my coffee with cream or some kind of dairy or non-dairy and no sweetener. I don't want sweetener in it. I don't want it near me. No sweetener and not just black. Right. I don't know how I landed there, but that's that's who I am. You're like in the middle. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) You know what they say, people who walk in the middle of the road are bound to get run over. So maybe I should reconsider my life choices. I drink my coffee just straight black. So I mean, I'm impressed. You can come to our side. <laughs> the dark side. Yeah, the dark side. <laughs> yeah. I will say I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to like a really nicely made cup of coffee with nothing in it. I can I can do that as well. You can get That's behind good. that one. Yes. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah. Good. Uh number 2, what is your go-to karaoke song? To not do it and to oh. stay in my seat. Yeah. Not even like no. carpool karaoke? By myself in the car? Oh. 
I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, a child who uh, came of age in the 90s. So I think things that felt cheesy to me at that time, now I meet with a lot of excitement. So I'm, I'm not going to say, like, if my grunge-loving teen self could see me uh, really enjoy hearing a Celine Dion song come on, she would be so ashamed. All right. All right. Never in public. Never Aaron. in public. No. No. Mm-mm. Never mm-hmm. in public. Uh, and lastly, what is your Hogwarts house? I, oh my gosh, I don't know why of all the questions this one has me wrapped up, but it does. I feel like everyone, not maybe not everyone, but I feel like you want to say Gryffindor, you want to align yourself with justice and goodness. But I feel like in terms of uh, maybe just work ethic, that puts me in the Hufflepuff Hufflepuff. I think so, but I've, I've completely, it's been so long since I read these or saw a movie that I don't remember a lot about Ravenclaw. So wherever you're going to find the ones who are going to have their nose in a book, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm going to be. I, when I saw that you had an English background, I mm-hmm. said, I have to ask her this question. Like yeah. Um, and again, uh, as an elder millennial, I think it's fair to identify. I appreciate a Harry Potter question because I remember when they were coming out and just what a wonderful escape they were mm-hmm. at that time uh, in the long ago, innocent time of the early millennium. The early millennium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a Slytherin, so I mean, you know. Um, this is makes the black coffee also. It, make ma- sense, it makes right? it. It goes together. Black coffee and Slytherin. It's fine. Well, it's nice, and we can get to know each other on this level today. There we go. Now you know a lot more about me. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Dr. Queener, for sharing your insights and knowledge with us on the show, discussing how to even begin to navigate a few ways of how graduate students can potentially earn funding for their graduate education, and for also putting up with my speed round questions to keep you <laughs> on your toes. Uh, today's episode was brought you by the West Virginia University Office of Graduate Admissions. For more information about graduate education at West Virginia University, please visit our website at www.graduateadmissions.wvu.edu. If you enjoyed or found value in anything that you heard today, we recommend that you leave a review on your favorite listening platform, follow us on social media, and subscribe to be notified to our new episodes coming out once per month. So thanks for listening, and until next time, let's go Mountaineers!